Geek Nerdery. Player one, press start to play. Welcome to episode number 15 of Graveyard Duck Podcast. As always, I'm Scott. And I'm Wes. Uh, this week we are taking a break from the listener suggestions. Got um, going back to our, you know, you pick, I pick kind of thing. And after, mm-hmm. you know, quite a bit of discussion, we fi- figured out that it's actually your pick again. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been long enough that I couldn't quite remember. But um, yeah, so you decided you were going to pick our game for this week and it felt a little Halloween-y apparently. So... Why don't you tell yes. us what you what you chose here? Yeah, so um, I I wanted to do a horror game of some sort for October, at least if we could get one of those in. And uh, I was you know going back through and kind of thinking of what what horror games I wanted to cover and and ones I wanted to talk about. And the one that that stuck out in my mind is actually a game that I'd actually been wanting to cover even back in the Drunken Zombie days, and that is uh, Clock Tower for the Super Famicom, yeah. uh, because there is a English fan translation available for this um, came out a few years ago, I think. So I was really excited. Um, yeah, when you when you first said you wanted to do a horror game and you had the perfect pick, I th- honestly thought you were going with Halloween for the uh, 2600, which... Oh, God. I... <laughs> <laughs> what an awful, awful game. Yeah. So, or um, I could have said Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I guess, because that, that got a 2600 port as well. That, that exists as well. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Clock Tower was, like you said, for the Super Famicom, um, came out in 95, never got a U.S. release, although after after the success of Clock Tower in Japan, they did end up re-releasing it for PS1, Windows, and Wonderswan over here, although they made some changes, added a couple items, and full, full motion video, stuff like that. So it's from yeah. what I've seen, it's pretty close, but it's not quite the exact same experience. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's, it's kind of like, um, and I don't know how familiar you are with this, but it's kind of like uh, the first Resident Evil, and then Resident Evil Director's Cut, and Resident Evil on the GameCube, and stuff like that. Like the, Yeah. The minor changes, you know, with each release kind of tweak things here and there. Right. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so there's a there's a fan hack translation ROM out there that uh, doesn't change the gameplay at all, from what I could tell. Uh, it's freely available. 
you know, if you want to use emulators, this is being a translation. I won't get mm. into the le legality of it, but uh, I yeah. don't think anybody... And there's also, I mean, there's reproduction cartridges available on, you know, like Etsy stores and eBay, and it's still kind of a gray area, but, yeah, you know, um, I guess really what, and what I was most excited about with talking about a game like this is if, if you would have told me 20 years ago that um, I would be playing, you know, unreleased games on eight and 16 bit systems, you know, in English, I, I probably wouldn't have believed it. And I think that's one of the joys of being a retro gamer still is sort of discovering some of these games that never made it over here and, you know, getting to play them in, uh, you know, native languages. And I think that that's just um, really cool. Yeah, the, I mean, I, I agree. I am not a huge modern gamer. Um, I'm not going to start bad-mouthing at all. I do on my Switch and all that, but also mostly for mm -hmm. retro gaming purposes. And, sure. you know, I, I kind of feel the same way. When I look at the Famicom and the Super Famicom library, it's like there are so many hundreds and hundreds of games that are great that we've just never had exposure to because they never mm -hmm. came out over on this side of the, you know, ocean. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, my, my Japanese is still a little bit rusty, but, uh, you know, it's just... I feel like it's a endless ocean of games that are still mm -hmm. out there for systems that, you know, personally I hold up as the best. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a very exciting thing to just have free reign of so much content and. Oh yeah. And if you follow a lot of the, like the translation scene and stuff, I mean, there's so many games that are still getting translated and uh, you know, patches are released here and there. It's just, I'm, I love it. I mean, I'm just, you know, I love playing a lot of the obscure 8-bit Famicom RPGs and a lot of the Super Nintendo ones, especially Power and uh, some of the other RPGs that never made it over here. And I just think that that's, you know, why I wanted to spotlight this especially. Right. So, yeah, my guess is that most of the listeners probably have not played it. Um, it's one that even when you suggested, I had never played it. Uh, uh -huh. I had heard of the franchise because it did make a couple sequels uh, for... I believe later PlayStation systems mm -hmm. to PlayStation two, maybe three. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, um, one and PS two mostly because uh, I, it? I started with the uh, PS PS one version when it okay. came out because uh, I'm pretty sure I, I think that it came out after resident evil did because I was, I was huge. I had a PlayStation when it launched and I was following resident evil. was really excited for it. Uh, played the hell out of that. And then once the survival horror boom sort of, happened um i remember clock tower coming out in like 96 or so and i hadn't played anything like it then i mean it was just like you know you got you got scissor man chasing you and there's you know um it's like an adventure game that kind of thing it was just really cool so uh, a few years ago i learned of the super nintendo one and then uh, i think there was also there was a game center cx episode on it as well uh, okay so really fun and i'm a huge i mean obviously you and i are both we're huge horror fans too and and to play a game that's letter to uh, 80s Argento films is, you know, obviously right up our alleys. Right, right. Okay, so let's talk, I guess, just a little bit about, um, well, I don't have any nostalgia for this game since I just played it for the first time uh, mm. Tuesday. Um, <laughs> but with, you know, why, why did you pick this beyond the fact that, you know, you said the Argento influence, you like horror, like, was there, mm. had you played this before? Or was it just kind of always one that you wanted to get to? I, I mean, I played a little bit of it here and there, but um, 
throughout, I kind of wanted to, it was one of those games that I played a little bit of it a couple of years ago and I started to really enjoy it, but I realized I didn't want to play through it all the way just yet. Then it's like, I kind of wanted to savor it for like, you know, either talking about it on Drunken Zombie is kind of a, a special thing or uh, something like that. And so it just kind of sat on the back burner for a while. But um, I don't know, it's something that, and I think it's more, this is a game that's, it's more enjoyable when you can share that experience with other people. And especially if other people have played it and kind of get their um, thoughts and opinions on it and stuff like that. And that's kind of why I was excited to do this one as well, because you hadn't played it before. Right. So uh, I was really curious because I knew some of the, some of the early stuff I've played some of the game before, but I was really excited to, uh, to kind of know, you know, what you thought of it. Okay. Well, let's, I'll say this to the listeners now too. Um, our intention here is to not spoil anything about this game. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of going to leave it a little bit vague when it comes to major plot points so that you can experience it on your own. Uh, it's a, I guess I can say right out of the gate, it is going to be a big recommend, at least for me. So mm-hmm. I think it's with, okay. with some caveats, but we'll, we'll get to that. So I would say it's worth checking out. It's worth going in blind. And the whole kind of premise of the game is, you know, it's, it's the atmosphere, it's the horror, it's the creepiness. So, you know, Wes, you recommended to me and I agree with this, like shut the lights off, turn the volume up and just get sucked into it. So we're not going to spoil plot elements for you here. So you don't have to worry about, you know, shutting this off before you play it or whatever, but um, we'll, we'll give it a thorough review and discussion otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess just starting from that point, discussing kind of what the game is a little bit, um, it's, I, I guess the best way to describe it is it's kind of like a point and click adventure game, mm-hmm. uh, and in line with like, uh, some of the Sierra computer games, things like that. Uh, right. a little bit more basic, but yeah, that's, yeah. that's the framework for sure. And I, and I'll say that like when I knew that that was the f- style and I also knew that this was a super Famicom game, I was really hesitant because those games work really well, but you know, I've played the hell out of some King's Quest in my life, and it works because you have a mouse and a keyboard. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to picture how this is going to work on a with a controller, and it just seemed clunky. It just seemed like something that was going to be cumbersome, and just uh, I don't know. I remember when they like ported Warcraft Two to PlayStation. It's just like this oh, just yeah. does not work. Um, so I was really afraid that it was going to be just horribly cumbersome to control. Um, as it turns out, it's not. It's actually very Mm-hmm. easy uh maybe to its detriment a little bit because like as you're you do have to use the directional pad to move your cursor around um and it kind of has an auto lock on on things that are interactable um so it, it kind of gives you hints as to things that are worth clicking on or worth investigating not mm-hmm. everything has significance but it it makes it a little bit more guided and a little bit easier to not just stand in a room for a half an hour going like, all right, what else can I possibly click on or type or whatever? Um, So it does make it a little bit easier that way. Access. Yeah. Um, I was surprised it didn't have um, super NES mouse support, but I, I, from what I did research wise on this, I understand it was a a fairly small team that actually made uh, this game. So, you know, either they just didn't have the time to implement uh, mouse controls or uh, I don't know, but the second one on PlayStation 
supports the PlayStation mouse. Okay. So if you want some of the point and click, um, you know, that feel, then uh, that game, I know that game does support it, but I think that's the only one that actually does. But like you said, it's not, it's not terrible because really you've got, for the most part, you've got your D-pad, you've got your Y button. That's kind of your contextual action button. Mm -hmm. And then you have the B button, which um, comes in in specific uh, circumstances. So really it's, yeah, it's two buttons and a D-pad. Yeah, the and the your context button, like if you're not clicking on anything specific, Jennifer will walk that direction. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. you can hit L and R and that'll mm. just cause her to run either right yeah. or left. So yeah, if, you, if you double tap the uh the Y button if you're walking in a direction, I think she starts running that way too. Oh, does she? Okay. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's it's actually pretty easy to control. You can mm-hmm. get around this house without too much difficulty. It's not cumbersome at all. Um and like I said, the the fact that it makes it a little bit more interactive is kind of helps with the speed of the game. And I think that that's good. Uh, one of the downsides to point and click games is that they can be very frustrating. If you get stuck, mm-hmm. you can't figure out, you know, which item to use in which situation, where am I supposed to use this obscure scrap of leather I found? Like, so uh-huh. those games can be very tiresome. And I was also concerned that with this being a horror game, Am I going to get sucked out of the atmosphere because I'm, you know, running around to every single room trying to use every item on every clickable s- surface? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it didn't turn out to be that way. It's it's not 100% obvious what to do in all the situations, right. but it's it's not a King's Quest thing where it's like I found this jar of honey and now I need to use it on a giant stack of hay or something ridiculous. Like that's yeah, th- things kind of make sense and there's a limited. And at a very controllable, I should say, inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say though that in this is a very old school type adventure game, and there are some times that you know if you're playing this in 2017 and you're thinking logically, like, oh, you know, I need to do this to do that. Sometimes, um, well, let's just say, for instance, um, the, there's a wall that's painted over, right? And you know, and you can see there's like a pipe in the room, so you know that logically like you'd look at that and you'd think okay i need to click on the pipe and click on the wall and that'll break it down but it doesn't really function that way because you have to examine the wall first for it to tell you that there's something wrong with it and then you have right. to click on the pipe so yes there are some fiddly parts to it but it's not too bad and i will say yeah um with a little bit of practice and the more you play this and we'll talk about this more later but um, once you start to expect those kind of ways that the logic works in this game, uh, then it's not too bad. Yeah, it almost worked, like, because there were a couple other spots like that, too, where it was, like, clicking one thing triggered another thing to be Mm -hmm. activatable, or activated, I don't know the right word there. Um, But, so it was almost, like, worth going into a room, clicking on everything, and then making a second round through everything, just to see if something changed. Um, There were only... that could be the way the game was programmed, I don't know, like, you know, if this, then that kind of thing. Like, uh, you know, like, okay, you'd think you have to push this box to the wall, but first you have to go look at the nest up there and then you can push the box and whatever. Right. So I don't know. Uh, but like I said, you, the more you play it, then you start to anticipate those things. And then, you know, it's not too bad. So one of the other things that makes this game really unique and one of the reasons that I think the replay value is so extraordinary on it is um, there are... I think we determined eight different endings. 
And yeah, that's right. It all comes down to different decisions that you make throughout the game. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, let me let me take a step back. the The spoiler free plot that you discover kind of right at the beginning is you're this girl named Jennifer who you're an orphan. You were just adopted with a couple of your other friends. And the person who adopted you lives in this gigantic mansion out in the middle of the woods. And so you're, you and your friends are being escorted by this woman um, to basically live and meet the man who's going to be your new adopted father. Mm-hmm. Once you get in there, the woman who brought you there, Mary, she's like, okay, you guys wait here. I'm going to go look for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's gone for a long time. And finally, your friends are like, maybe one of us should go look for her. So you volunteer. You leave the room to go figure out where she went. There's a scream behind you. You go running back to the room. The lights are off, and everybody's missing. Mm-hmm. And pretty much that's where the game starts. So yes. you you are in this gigantic mansion, and you're just basically looking around trying to figure out where Mary went, where your three friends are, um, what the hell's going on in the house, and it's just kind of an exploration game from there. Mm-hmm. Um, the house is more or less wide open from the beginning. There are some locked doors, but you kind of get access to them pretty early on. Mm-hmm. So depending on which rooms you go to first, which or which order you kind of discover things, uh, that kind of changes the trajectory of the game. And there are yes. certain story elements or plot elements that are only going to be open if certain paths were taken. And it's not mm-hmm. really like a point-based system where this was the correct path versus the incorrect path. It's just, you know, things are locked out if you went this way, but they're available this way. And so it just kind of changes it, you mm-hmm. know, what you're going to discover and what pieces of the story you're going to get. So multiple yeah. playthroughs are, you know, rewarding. There's there's a lot mm-hmm. that you can kind of see to kind of get all of the different endings. And I'll also say that not all of the endings are good ones. There's no. Which is great. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting that it's designed that way because it's not really. I feel like no matter what path you take from the beginning, you don't really ever get. I mean, you'll get stuck occasionally, but um, there's always a, a pretty, pretty clear path in the game. Right. And you know, like you're saying with the multiple endings, the more that you play it, you'll start to, um, you'll start to kind of pick your your route a little bit. But depending, like you said, depending on where you start that can change the position of some of the items um just depending on uh like for instance there's there's a box up on a shelf in a room that has a key in it and you inspect the the box to get the key but depending on where you started uh that key might not necessarily be in that box when you go in there right sense it could be in you know one of two different places right yeah So. so walkthroughs are not necessarily all that helpful um, I don't suggest using them anyway, but um, yeah, because things kind of move and shift, it's it's a different experience, and it's much yeah. more fun to just kind of explore and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there were two times playing through it that I got stuck and I had to kind of look up what to do, mm-hmm. and one time it was just a case of because I didn't have the instruction manual, I didn't know that one of the buttons did what it did, yes. and the second time I got stuck was it was simply a case of. I was in a room and I clicked on everything except one thing and I needed just needed to go click on that thing and that mm-hmm. moved it along. So yeah, there really aren't too many things to get stuck on, you know, luckily, mm-hmm. because that does kind of move things along. And I mean, it's, it's a pretty brisk paced game anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I went in blind and just kind of fumbling my way through doing the whole ex- exploration thing. I would say maybe about three hours is all mm-hmm. it really took me. Um, yeah. I ended up with not great for first playthrough. Yeah. I ended up with two of the endings uh, out of that. And one of which was definitely not a happy ending, I would say. Um, right. The other one is one that I think is probably considered one of the best endings. Um, mm-hmm there in terms of resolution. So, I mean, I, I felt satisfied that a three hour playthrough with no help or guidance is that that's pretty good. I think that's a good length for a game and leaves me optimistic for replays to go find more endings that it's not going to take, you know, weeks and weeks of re- repeating gameplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, uh, my second playthrough, I think I had it down in, uh, uh, just about an hour, maybe a little over because, uh, after I finished the first one and uh, I got ending B, I think it was, um, then I started thinking about it, about what order I did things in and where certain things were in certain rooms. And then on the next playthrough, then I just kind of went with that. And I, I just you know, thought to myself, okay, I'm going to go here. I'm going to get this. I'm going to go into this room. I'm going to trigger that. And um, it worked pretty quickly. And that's, you know, like you were saying, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of games, especially longer ones that you think, oh, I don't, I really don't want to play through it again right away. I, it's fresh in my mind. I, you know, it's going to be a long time to play through it. But once, like I said, once you get good at this game, you get sort of, I don't know. I was looking forward to playing it again and seeing what was different and what changed. Right. And I think that that, like you said, that adds to the replayability as well. Uh, one thing I was going to mention too, um, the other interesting thing about this game though, is that, um, your your main character really doesn't have much of a way to defend herself. Um, that's the other thing about this game being, you know, sort of the survival horror style game it is. It's really a true survival horror game in that you really can't fight back. Uh, right. You have to, you know, find ways to, to outwit uh, Scissorman as he's, you know, he just might randomly show up somewhere. Right. So. Yeah, so he is kind of the main antagonist, uh, Although not entirely plot wise. Mm-hmm. And the first time he shows up, I mean, there, there's so many different spots in the game where he's going to show up, but um, yes. yeah, it, it's definitely going to take you by surprise. He's basically mm-hmm. like this little, little kid, little midget. Like it's not really clear what he is, but with mm-hmm. this just gigantic pair of scissors <laughs> um, starts chasing you down, but at a very like slow Jason Voorhees pace. Um, but it's just, the music changes so you know that he's still out there uh and it's just kind of an unrelenting assault and it's like you don't know which direction he's coming from so it really does feel like you know a friday the 13th kind of thing because mm-hmm. you you might round a corner go down a hallway and then he just shows up right in front of you and right you know comes at you so it's it's very unnerving going to a room to ch- to avoid him and then you're trying to get out of that room and then there he is you know, coming in after you. Yeah, and there's no way out then. You know, so right. you're uh, <laughs> you're just kind of stuck. Um, luckily, you know, it, well, and I guess we should say too that like this is one of those games where you are going to die a lot, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the fun of it in a lot of ways is just to see all of the different animations and different ways that you can die. Um, yeah. There's a lot. and luckily it doesn't like end. Or it's it's not that hard to bounce back, I should say. Like when right. you die, you can you know click a button that just says continue, and you're basically right at the entrance to the room you just walked in. 
So you don't really get set back that much, which I think takes some of the, I, I guess, a sting out of it. But at the same time, eh, whatever. Yeah, a little bit. But um, it, it depends, though, because for me, um, one of the playthroughs I did, the uh, I walked into a room and uh, I forget which room it was. I think it was the one with the um, the bird cages. I think it was not the bedroom, but the uh, more of the work workbench room with the bird cages. Oh, yeah. And I had just walked in there and Scissorman had opened the door and was literally coming after me right there. So the first time I died, I hit continue and I started in the same place again. And then there he was. So it was kind of funny yeah. that, uh, you know, but there is a way around that. And we'll get to that later uh, a little bit. But uh, what I'm curious, though, with with you, Scott, is I want to know what was your first impression then the first time that uh, that you saw Scissorman coming after you? Uh, well, I was already expecting somebody like that because you had said, just wait for Scissorman. So, like, I knew there was going to be something involving scissors somewhere in the game. Um, sure. But it, it happened early enough in the game that I wasn't expecting him to come out where he did. Um, uh-huh. And it was just, it, it was one of those things where it's like, as you start going around this game, because you're kind of, kind of new at it, you're, you're, not sure like you're getting your i guess i'd say you're getting the feel for like the controls for how the mechanics work mm-hmm. and you're that makes you a little bit extra tense because you don't know like what is the consequence for dying so sure. i'm just kind of running around clicking on everything the first couple mm-hmm. rooms that i went in were pretty safe it was mm-hmm. um i think the bedroom and then there's a room with like a tv and a portrait and it's like some mm-hmm. creepy things were happening as i was clicking on a portrait and then all of a sudden it starts bleeding it's like oh okay thanks that's good uh-huh. um but like no danger just atmospheric stuff yeah and Which then you, is great because you don't know if that's really um you know going to be bad or not right exactly and then you you go into a couple other rooms and there's things where it's like i know i shouldn't click on this but i got to and yeah it was it was a moment like that i don't want to spoil what room it was i can tell you off mic because I don't want to ruin it for listeners. I think I know but, which one it is, but uh, but uh, yeah, you you click on something you know you shouldn't, and sure enough, he pops out, and I'm just like, oh, son of a bitch! And then yeah, I mean, I start running <laughs> and get out into the hall, and he's still coming, and it's like, okay, so I run <laughs> through the hall, and I'm in like another hall, mm-hmm. and I kind of wait around for a bit, and then then all of a sudden he shows up, and I'm like, Jesus! And so like I keep going i like go into a room and a couple minutes later here he comes it's like okay so this guy's not stopping <laughs> it's right, like right. and that's when it kind of threw me off it's like how long do i have to keep going and dealing with this guy because i don't <laughs> have a unstoppable. yeah and it's like i don't have a weapon so mm-hmm. like I, i'm doing what uh probably a character in a horror movie would do like as i'm running i'm just like clicking on everything trying to find something i can pick up mm-hmm. and i like had some perfume and i like tried to spray him in the face with the perfume i tried <laughs> to like throw a rock at him i like was trying all this stuff and nothing was working but it's just like desperately fumbling while this psychopath with giant scissors are chasing me down the hallway but that's the i mean that's really the the beauty of this game though is when you get into it like that and you start to panic and you're going through the inventory real quick trying to figure out like you know how can I how can I get past this guy? Yeah. I wonder if that's because you were you were sending me some messages throughout, and I wonder if that's when you uh, you messaged me. And it says, "God damn this game," because <laughs> uh, I think you said it was just 
very unsettling. And yes. You, said you were very desensitized and have seen a lot of horror. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, for, for a guy like me who did a horror podcast for a couple of years, I've been watching horror movies for decades. I can't even count how many hundreds, if not thousands of horror movies I've watched. Like mm-hmm. it's, I'm completely desensitized to all of it, but yet this game unsettled me. Yeah. And yeah. I think, and it did, and it's not just that it's a video game because mm-hmm. resident evil never did that. Um, you know, Phantasmagoria. I tried to play the Silent Hill games, uh, but I just couldn't get into them. I think oh, man. I came to it a little bit too late. You can, because they are just as unsettling as this game. Okay. Um, but yeah, I just, I've played horror games. I've mm-hmm. played, I enjoy them, but I don't like get unnerved by them. I play them because it's got elements that I think are fun. This yeah. game just, I don't know, it, something was just right. Like the, I had the house to myself. I had lights were off. It was late at night. Like it was just, I completely got myself sucked into the atmosphere and it, it, it worked. And it's like, and, and it's not even just the like tension or the like creepiness of some of the things you're seeing. It's just the whole package, like the story, as we were saying, like it just yeah. had, it takes some twists and turns and has some elements to it that just feel wrong. Like, mm-hmm like i don't know like almost like a cronenberg kind of thing like the fact that a mind yeah. came up with that just kind of bothers me like no right there there's a scene in this that i don't want to spoil but i think you'll know what i'm talking about that I, like it was almost like the end of the brood when uh-huh. you get to that and you're just like what kind of a brain thought of that <laughs> was that when you uh when you opened the red curtain yes yeah yeah, yeah. and it's like at that moment you're just like the hell is this game all about? <laughs> it's just like mm-hmm. it, it just unnerves you. It, it gets under your skin and just kind of hangs out there and has a has a yeah. good time for a few hours. So, and you yeah. know what's great about that is it's especially in that part. Um, the first time that you play it, you really you're not really sure what it is, what's going on. But the more that you play, um, when you start picking up more bits of the story um, and you start putting two and two together, then it gets really fucked up. Oh yeah. You know, and that's that's the other thing I love about this game is it doesn't it doesn't really outright tell you anything. You just kind of have to discover these things, you know, whether it be through notes or um, different things that you might interact with um, or when you interact with certain things. But once you kind of piece together the story, it is really, really fucked up. Yes, it is. You know, Um, and, and, you know, it's it's funny, too, because like a lot of horror games, it takes a sudden shift and you can usually tell like when you get to a certain area, it's like, Oh, now where I'm, I'm going to discover some secrets. And it's in this case, it's no different. Like you go down and you're now in some caves and some catacombs. It's like, this isn't part of the normal house. Like I'm going to find something that I shouldn't. Uh, Phantasmagoria did the same kind of thing. You know, you're in this house mm-hmm. for several chapters and then all of a sudden you discover the other room and it's like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> but, um, God, we need to do that for a show because I haven't played that in so long. I agree. I I still not, own it. Not though. to get off on a tangent, but when you get to the like the end of that game, like on stage and everything, like that game just boy, it, it is just messed up. Yeah, I've got the CD-ROM actually sitting in the desk right next to me. I might I, have to install that this weekend. It's so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it it takes a similar trajectory where mm-hmm. most of it's pretty slow paced. Like you're just kind of exploring. Um, everything seems fairly safe other than the occasional little bit here and there. 
and then there's that sudden shift where the story elements kind of start falling together mm-hmm. and you realize kind of what it all means and it's just like yeah this is this is demented mm-hmm. and i like that and i i highly recommend this game you know not only to video game fans but just to horror fans because it just it worked and yeah. i mean absolutely co- coming from me that's high praise so yeah and i think i mean i love horror films and everything too but i i've always had a um, a real appreciation for horror games that are done well because they are they're so much more interactive because you're you're part of it and you're controlling the character and so a good horror game really sucks you in with the gameplay but especially the sound and the music right and i think that's the other thing like you were mentioning with it being as tense as it is uh, the music especially when you're being chased in this is just so it just puts you on edge you know, and the, the sound effects of the scissors just going back and forth. It's just so hard to find good horror games like this that aren't, um, you know, action type shoot 'em up games. And that's just, I think that's why I like the older Resident Evil games and the earlier Silent Hills when they were about the survival horror piece as opposed to, you know, the action gunplay stuff because um, it's just more unsettling. And especially with, um, more some of the modern stuff like Outlast and Alien Isolation, I think they kind of have that similar feel as well, where you're kind of helpless and trying to hide from the enemies. And I, I feel like that, you know, this was sort of the the beginning of all that. Well, and the other thing about horror games is I, I completely agree with you that the atmosphere works and it's like it's it's great to be get to get sucked into that, which I mean watching a movie you don't feel the same tension because you're not making decisions. Um, But the thing that I feel like always uh, hampers the the fear of a horror game is that there's always that one little element that kills the horror for it. And it's Mm -hmm. either a lot of times it's repetition. Like Mm -hmm. if there's, uh, I I can't think of a good example, Uh, Castlevania 64, I felt like had a really horrific part where you're in the garden and there's uh, this big like monster with a chainsaw that all of a sudden, like you hear the chainsaw rev up and he comes charging through the hedges at you. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really sets you on edge, but it happens so many times that by the, you know, 10th time you hear it, you just don't care anymore. Um, Right. You figured out how to deal with it and it's now just a sound effect. It's no longer something that you're scared of. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing is you could have, like I said, I was afraid of with this game is like you just spend so much time clicking around trying to figure out the air quotes game part of it that uh-huh. you don't care about the horror anymore because now you're trying to solve a game that's you know challenging you or throwing you curveballs. And I feel like that's usually where things fall short. Um, yeah. Dead Space is another game you know that's not retro, but um, I thought sure. it did a great job of getting the horror going up until a point where I realized that there's always monsters ahead of you. They're mm-hmm. never behind you. Like once you kill them, they're gone. So when you have sure. to like backtrack through areas you've already been to, mm-hmm. well, who cares? You're completely safe. Nothing's going to jump out at you. And that really kind of killed the tension for me in that game. Um, a little bit. I love the first dead space though, but um, there's still times in the first game where, that tentacle thing kind of reaches out at you though. And it's starting to drag you and you're, you're shooting at it. Do you remember that? Uh, vaguely. I feel like, I feel like that happened randomly in that game. Mm. I don't know. So, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, back to this, I think that that's just more, you know, high praise for this because I think that no, I, totally it get it. I totally get what it, you're saying. It balanced the gameplay, it balanced the difficulty and the challenge, and it balanced the atmosphere so well that I never got sucked out of the horror. You know, I was never reminded, oh, yeah, I'm playing a video game because now I have to do some tedious, you know, mini game or something stupid. Like, yeah. It was just difficult enough to keep my attention, but just easy enough to not frustrate me. And the length, I think, was good to where it didn't feel redundant. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, it kept that horror atmosphere going from beginning to end. And it's so rare for a game to be able to do that. So, yeah, and I will say there were a couple of times that um, when I first started playing it, that I did fall into that pattern where um, I was stuck for a little bit and I just didn't know you know, what I needed to get. And so I felt like I kept going in every single room and I was, as I was mapping it out and kind of, I feel like, okay, I've been in this room already. There's nothing here. Um, so I, I probably spent about 15, 20 minutes just doing this mundane stuff, looking for this one thing. And that kind of took me out of it a little bit, but um, long story short, there was a box, you know, in a room that was under a desk kind of thing. And I didn't know I could click on it. And that I found a key in there. And then that led me to, I, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, I know what door that goes to. And then it kind of kicked into high gear from there. And then I knew where I was going. So hmm. um, that, must you know, be an, that must be another case of one where an item was in a different place for me because I don't remember a box under a desk at all. And I got all the keys. So um, no, it's just, it, if, you, if you go into this game understanding that, yeah, there might be a couple of times that you're going to get frustrated because you're not sure where to go and what to do just stick with it and you know keep checking everything because once once you get the item that you think you need then it, you're going to start to remember okay i know where this goes and then right it kind of goes so. yeah and i mean some of the minor advice that we can give you is like i said click on everything and to be fair click on everything twice mm -hmm. um and just make a map like yeah, it doesn't seem bad. like this house is going to be that big when you get started, but it takes some weird twists and turns that you're going to get thrown off and it's worth being able to know like, okay, I've got to go this direction or that direction or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so keep a map as you go um, and, you know, make note of like locked doors or little things about rooms. Like if you clicked on something and you weren't able to fully interact with it, like make mm -hmm. a little note off to the side, like, Oh, there was a, clown doll on the chest here i wonder if that's something you know it so it, it helps you get back to it quickly without going you know and checking room to room to room to remember where it was which would suck you out of the atmosphere the map will help a mm -hmm. lot yeah and especially the way it's laid out because the game is played from a two-dimensional perspective so you know typically your mindset's going to be you know left to right kind of thing but actually the way that this game is sort of laid out is um things tend to almost go in a circle a little bit. So that mm -hmm. kind of helps when you're making a map as to, you know, which room is what, but you'll also kind of start to realize what hallways connect to other parts of the house. Right. And so that kind of, once I started mapping things out, then that kind of helped me, um, you know, the first couple of times, because there's a few parts that look similar, you know, like the, the first um, living room, I guess, that you start the game in and it's got a staircase going up and then, a little bit later on, there's a similar looking room, but it's got, you know, it's it's green, but there's a staircase that goes up. So there's parts that look kind of similar. And so you might think, okay, I've 
I've been here before, or I know where this goes, but maybe it doesn't lead to where you think. So, uh, yeah, this is a good game to kind of um, take your time a little bit, explore, and uh, make note of what is where. Because there's not, it's not like more modern games that have, you know, auto maps or objective markers or anything like that. And it's, it's up to you to remember where things are and uh, what you have to do. Right. And, you know, don't make the mistake of getting online and just looking for a map because that's going to point out rooms that you don't want to know about or shouldn't know about at the start. Um, sure. It also, you know, will point out rooms that you might not even be able to get to um, mm-hmm. or, be, you know, depending on paths and whatever that you took. I, I looked at one after I finished it and was surprised to see that there's actually a few different rooms on here that I never got to see. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, And there's a couple, and it's, again, due to the sort of the random nature of clock tower and how you experience things in it. Um, if you look at like a map that's on like game facts, for instance, it might, like you're saying, it might be different because uh, there are certain rooms that kind of switch positions yep. depending on where you've gone first. So you might, you might look at a map on the internet and think, okay, this door leads to a bathroom, but then you go in and it's actually, you know, the music library, yeah. or, you know, something like that. So, um, and that's that's the other thing that I thought was kind of neat for a game of this age to kind of have a little bit of a small element of like a roguelike nature to it. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So since we're kind of on that track anyway, should we give a couple tips and tricks and then maybe a final recommendation? Sure. Definitely. Tips and tricks. Okay. So we've decided to take a little bit of a different approach to our tips and tricks section from here on out, uh, rather than just me rambling forever. Uh, we thought let's make this a little bit more concise and maybe more, uh, practical. So for what we've decided we're going to do is each, you know, Wes and I are each, as we play through the game, kind of coming up with our one big kind of pro tip that we would suggest, uh, Mm. for everybody. So, uh, kind of break it down from there. And, uh, you know, anything else is kind of on you to figure out, but uh, this will be kind of our one, you know, moneymaker counselor's corner type tip. I should say the, the one pro tip. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. we each have one and we, you know, confer beforehand to make sure that we're not giving you the you know same one uh, redundantly. So um, I wish I had like, if this was a video podcast, I wish I had a picture of, of me, like, you know, Nintendo power style, power style wearing like a, you know, like a, light jacket and having a mullet and stuff. I was just, I was just going to ask how your mullet's doing these days. Is it? Right? <laughs> Not as well as it used to, but too bad. <laughs> All right. So uh, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, so I guess my tip is more, you would probably find this out if you, um, obviously it's a little different with this game because it, it's not going to, you wouldn't have had a traditional instruction manual and stuff to look through. But um, if you, if you read anything online about, clock tower and like how to play it and the controls and stuff like that. Um, one of the most important features is um, the sort of uh, health meter, I guess, or um, the lack thereof, I guess. But um, your portrait, the portrait of Jennifer in the bottom left corner of the screen. Uh, and if you played Resident Evil, it's probably going to be pretty similar where, you know, green means you're healthy and um, red means you're in danger and stuff like that. But um the thing that's interesting is if you tend to run a lot more in this game, I've noticed, um, you'll, you'll tend to be in the red more. And so if you want to kind of heal, there's not really any items in the game that allow you to heal, but 
there are ways to kind of recover your health a little bit. And two of those ways to do it is either kind of just walk a little bit, take your time and just go slow. Or if you just stop in like a hallway or a room and just let it sit for, I don't know, 30 seconds to a minute or so, it takes a little bit of time. But uh, Jennifer will sit down and you'll slowly start to recover some health, um, which is pretty helpful, actually. Right. Um, just because, you know, like we were kind of saying before, the um, uh, if you're in the red and there's some, uh, if you're in danger, then it's not always easy to get out of those situations. Yeah, the it's interesting, too, because I was a good halfway through the game before I ever even realized that you had health. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's it's more of like a stamina, I guess, kind of like yeah, you that'd be a good way to put it. You don't die if it gets too low, but like when you're in the red, you're just not really capable of doing much. Especially the the panic button, the B button, uh, yeah. will get you out of danger. If you're in the red, like it pretty much has no hope of working or a very small chance. Yeah. Um, did we actually did we even cover the panic button? I feel like we missed that. No, it's yeah, it's the B button. You can press it. You know, tip? I don't know. You I guess you anyway. Yeah, you just kind of jam on it if you're in danger, and sometimes yeah. it'll get you out of it. Doesn't always work, but right. the higher your, your health starts flashing, and just mash the B button right away. Right. Um, the higher your health, the better your chances are of getting yeah. getting by. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Now some, the other thing I noticed too, if you're in the red, um, you tend to trip randomly, mm-hmm. and so that can be kind of a detriment as well, especially right. if you're trying. Yeah, if you're if you're running from something, someone, then you know, falling down is a, a good way to die. Uh-huh. All right, yeah, I think that's that's good, especially with not having the manual. I think that it's just yeah, you know, would would change the gameplay completely, and definitely worth taking note of. Um, mm-hmm. Mine is similar, and we got done talking about um, you know Scissor Man when he comes out and just kind of what an asshole he is, <laughs> and I I didn't want to pick a tip that's going to spoil anything, but I will just say that you're not completely screwed when he starts chasing you. Um, mm-hmm. There are places in the house that you can hide to get away from him. Uh, I think there's a little over uh, maybe about a half a dozen or so different rooms that have safe spots in them. So just be aware as you're yeah. kind of going around that some of them work for that. However, none of, well, I shouldn't say none of them. I found that like very few of them are actually foolproof and they work most of the time, but he could still come in and get you now and then. Um, the one that I found worked every single time and it became my go-to. Um, so if, if it has a chance of failing, I didn't discover it is there's two different bathrooms in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which is kind of like clean and pristine. The other one is kind of dirty and gross. You'll know why when you've, discover it for the first time. Um, But if you go to kind of the grungier bathroom, when uh, scissor man's chasing you go in, you'll automatically run to kind of the left side of the room. You'll close the door and lock it behind you. Mm -hmm. And a couple seconds later, if you just kind of stand there and wait, you'll notice scissor man come in. He'll see that the door's locked. He'll turn around and leave. Wait, wait another second or two and you'll hear the music change and go back to normal. And at that point he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can then come out of hiding and go back to the house and do normal things until you encounter him again. But the, the chase is over at that point. Yeah. Um, there are lots of other rooms that you can try to do that in. I think in one of the bedrooms, you can hide under a bed. Um, there's cabinets that you can get into. There's 
uh, I think the scaffolding and the garage you can climb on, but like mm-hmm. none of those work the up there. Yeah. Right. Not, not, none of them work every time. So right. the, ba- the bathroom seemed to be the only um, surefire thing. So yet another good reason to keep the map so that you remember where that bathroom is, because when he shows up, you need to know how to get back there quickly. Yeah. God, it's so hard to talk about this game without spoiling it. I know but, it really is. Like, <laughs> a good job of it, but there's so much that, like, when you experience this game, there's so much that you want to talk about that uh-huh. I really don't want to spoil it for anybody, though. No, it's 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 not worth doing that. But yeah, I've I've caught myself saying you know the wrong thing mm-hmm. a couple of times now. <laughs> right, that's fine. So maybe that'll entice some people to go check it out just to know. I hope so. I'm I mean, about. It's, it's easy enough to to find a, a copy of this game. Um, you know, however you want to do it in whatever fashion that you that you do it. But uh, you know, it's it's worth checking out, absolutely. You know what I could see doing too, and I think this would be fun, is let's start a post on our Facebook group that's, you know, a spoiler filled discussion. So and I'll I can even put in the top like this is the spoiler discussion. Mm. So people who have played the game, um, and you know know some of the things or have you know theories about plot or story and want to discuss it uh, or anybody who's just interested to know about it and just knows that they are never going to be able to handle the game or don't want to play it there's a place that we can discuss things there but it'll have a spoiler warning at the top so yeah it's a good idea actually okay all right so i think uh, it goes without saying that this is going to be a recommend for both of us yes yes just keep in mind that um you know given the age of the game um, the fact that it is a point-and-click adventure, it's going to function a little bit differently than than you might think. But if you, you know, like us, if you grew up with these styles of games, you'll kind of know what to expect. And uh, if you have some patience for it, I think, you know, I think this is a game that is really rewarding once you get the hang of it. Like I said, um, the more that I played it, then the faster I got at it. And I, I just started playing more to to discover more of the endings which right. is fun because then you start thinking okay well what if i do this instead or what if i uh you know go here first and it's short enough that once you get good at it it, it feels good that you can just sit down and kind of knock this out in you know a little over an hour or so and uh you know possibly see what happens so right i just think it's great well, and that, you know, coupled with the fact that, like you said, the, the rooms shift around, mm-hmm. uh, important items are in different places, different times you play through it. Like you said, as you were telling me, like, oh, I found a key here. There's a key mm-hmm. there. I'm like, I didn't find keys in any of those places. So, right. right. Um, well, that, and there's a whole thing without spoiling it too much, I guess. But there's um, there's a certain item that you need to proceed about halfway through the game to get to sort of the, I guess, what you'd say, the final act or the end game. Mm-hmm. And that's when you when you go, I guess, underground. And that's that's vague enough. But sure. um, there's two completely different types of items that you could get to allow you to go underground, depending on where you've gone and and what you've interacted with. And I thought that was kind of cool too. Uh, you know, basically, without spoiling too much, I guess there's there's a scepter or there's a statue kind of thing. And so depending on where you go. You might get the scepter. You might get the statue. So it all that's it. I didn't even I didn't even know about the statue. So that's interesting. Yeah, because yeah, I the couple times I played, it was all statue. I never saw the scepter at all. Huh. So I'm gonna go back and try some different things and see if I can get that instead. Yeah, that's so, that's really interesting, and, yeah. and it, it's little stuff like that that just makes 
the game that much more fun to replay because mm-hmm. you don't feel like you're expecting every you know every corner um multiple endings i think are fun and like we said they're not all good um no. you know you you die so many times in this game and there was a point where i was going along i knew that things were starting to get tense you know they were building up mm-hmm. and i did something and it killed me yeah and after the death instead of the game just showing the you know dead end which was their kind of you know game over screen mm-hmm. credits started to roll yes and i'm like <laughs> wait what like so yeah. as it turns like, out that's, that's an actual that's, ending that is mm-hmm. one of the endings and it is an ending to this story it's just one mm-hmm. that does not work out well for uh, our heroine so yeah yep. it's it's interesting that there are so many different options um and and I love that each one gives you just a little bit more of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that this was a very vague plot, and I got a couple little elements to it, but I still don't know exactly who all of the characters are and how they interact and whatever. And you know, your your friends that came down with you, like there are different choices you can make that allow one or some of them to survive. Um, some of them will die different choices you make. And it's like, that's, that's a very detailed and deep algorithm for what is a relatively simple, quick play game. Yeah, absolutely. And even um, depending on which room you go to in the beginning kind of determines um, what you'll see as well, as far as um, with the your friends that you came in with. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But uh, yeah. that gets really cool too. So yeah. I don't think, um, like I said, I, I played the, the PlayStation one, the clock tower, but um, I didn't play two or three, but you know, the more I play this one, I think this is just, I think they just hit a home run right out of the gate. And for a small team, you know, that was inspired by Argento and Italian horror and things like the burning and phenomena. Um, do, 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 do. Phenomena. Do, 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 do. That's a way old school joke. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think that uh, I think it's it hasn't been topped. I mean, as far as within this series itself. And it's kind of sad that, you know, the, the later games just didn't sell very well at all. And of course, the, the franchise is pretty much all but dead and buried. But, you know, again, thanks to the Internet, I mean, we can find these original games and, and play them. And I think it's just absolutely worth checking out, especially if you you dig these kind of games so uh, just do what you do you know facebook twitter whatever um send us an email i don't know tell us you know what tell us your experiences with clock tower I and mean, once you once you've played it um you know check out our facebook group uh, hit us up on twitter at duck graveyard uh shoot us an email graveyard.podcast at gmail.com and uh you know let's like i said we can't really i don't want to spoil it here in the episode but you know uh, if you've played Clock Tower or if you are playing it for the first time, we'd love to know your thoughts, your reactions, and stuff like that. So by all means, hit us up. All right. So, uh, yeah, hit us up. Let us know what you think about the game. Uh, we'll start the spoiler discussion there on Facebook, too. So uh, mm-hmm. hope to see you guys there. So until then, uh, I'm Scott. And I'm Wes. And uh, just be careful when you walk into a room. You never know when Scissor Man is just going to drop in and say hello. Game over.